You're listening to episode 24 of Daughters on Fire with Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In today's episode, Robin and I are going to continue our series on safety at home. We want to give you a ton of information today on what to look for and what to do in order to help mom and dad or whoever you're caring for stay safe at home longer. We're going to be looking at fall and trip hazards in the home, kitchen safety, bathroom safety, safety when it comes to cognitive impairment. So stay tuned. Lots of tips, lots of great information that we will be bringing you on this very important topic of safety at home. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, welcome back to another segment of Is It Normal with Robin and Melissa. I'm your host, Melissa, and we're here with Robin. How's it going, Robin? Doing well. I am excited to do another segment of Is It Normal? And um, just to jump right in store today. Well, to jump right in, uh, we received an email from one of our listeners who wanted to know about safety issues in the home. And I thought, well, that's very timely. And let's talk about that of um, in the aspect of what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and is it something you can do yourself, or is it best to hire a professional um, or use different different agencies to help you along the way? That's How's that perfect. sound? Good. Absolutely. I think that's great. Um, I do know, well, there's so many more people that have decided to do caregiving at home and keeping your home, creating it, you know, baby-proofing it. For, for this demographic <laughs> uh, is extremely important. And sometimes there's just really easy fixes that you just aren't aware of that you can do. And then sometimes there's some really elaborate fixes that are needed and that's when you need a professional. So kick us off, Robin. What are some of the um, safety tips that we need to be mindful of? Well, I think the first that comes to everybody's mind are slips and falls. And one thing I want to say about falls and a fall can happen at any time, anywhere. And if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the highest rates, even in facilities. So a lot of people think, well, if mom wasn't home alone, she wouldn't have fallen. Or if I were there, she wouldn't have fallen. That's not true. It just happens. It's what what goes on. But there are measures to put in place, I think, to make the home safer. So um, as far as slips and falls, the first thing that everybody says are the rugs. We got to remove those rugs. And it's true, those runners, those little throw rugs. And that is probably the first thing I think that for a female, they fuss about that they don't want those removed because that is part of what makes your house homey. They don't necessarily think it's a, a fall issue. But recently worked with a family that the mother had throw rugs all over the place. She said it was for the dog because the dog didn't like to walk on hardwood. So bit by bit, the daughters have been removing the rugs. Now they came back and the rugs were there. So when you remove a rug, either take it with you, 
put it on another floor that they don't go on to keep it away from them because they'll put them back out there. So, you know, you bring up a good point, Robin, about the the rugs and the the floors. I know a lot of us here in Tennessee, especially we have hardwood floors and in some other areas of the country, you know, they have harder tiles and stuff. And that is not necessarily a non-slip surface. So if you do pick up the rugs, which is good because the rugs, as you catch your toe or a walker or a cane, it can cause you to fall, but also those slippery surfaces may cause you to fall too. So in addition to removing things like rugs, you need to be thinking of your footwear. And I know, you know, in uh, facilities, they have the the non-slip socks that they'll, the little gripper socks that they'll give patients. So sometimes it's not just about removing, it's also about being mindful of how you're walking around. You may need to be, get some good slippers, some good socks, because socks on hardwood can be just as slippery as, you know, just as much of a fall risk as the rug too. That is great. That's absolutely true. And one of the other things that all people don't want to do is maybe have a cane or a walker at home next to you. You're in your own home, nobody sees you, but it is it does help with balance control. So that that's another thing that could help with falls. Yeah. You don't want to be a furniture walker. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So which I know people often do and, and it's not, so even that may not be as stable, but if people are relying on the furniture to kind of keep them steady. Well, and, and to that point, Melissa, if you think about there's people that then either move into an assisted living or go live with another family member and their whole means of survival for walking has gone away because it's different furniture. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a whole something else to learn. So, yes, if you do it the right way at the beginning, you don't have to think about it later. Just keeping with the rugs and the area cords. You know, how many of us stretch cords, computer cords, lamp cords, different cords across the room? You need to be mindful of that. And just not to say that the, every senior has clutter, but the newspapers and the magazines and the mail that are stacked and then they fall over and then they're not picked up. And there needs to be clear pathways wherever they're mainly going, the bathroom, their bedroom, the kitchen, the living room, things like that, that it needs to, the clutter needs to go away. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't want to get rid of their knickknacks or, you know, their pictures or whatever, or what ends up on the floor, can you move it out of the pathway? Can you kind of see where, okay, how do you get to the bathroom? How do you get to the bedroom? How do you get to the bedroom, to the bathroom, to the kitchen, to your favorite sitting point? Can you at least focus on those areas and make those areas as safe as possible? Right. And and as you point out, it does, it can be a little bit of a hassle of them not wanting you to move things, but Bottom line, again, we've talked about so many times is safety. So that those are safety issues. Lighting is another issue as far as slips and falls. Um, Melissa, I think you did this as well, but we did the dementia tour. And you go in and it's dark inside. And you don't realize that you're not really seeing what's going on at your feet because you're trying to focus forward to walk and things like that. and. It is really eye-opening, no pun intended. (laughs) No pun intended. Okay, (laughs) wait, here's... There you go. There we go, Robin. (laughs) To realize that 
as you age, with you have cataracts or macular, I cannot say it, Melissa, say it. Macular degeneration. Thank you. That it is harder. There's less light. It is dark. So it does make moving about harder in the home. So lighting is And just the monocular vision with, at least with a dementia, but there are a lot of other eye issues that go on with that. But you know, Robin, I want to point this out. I have, I've had clients and actually my own people in my own family, older adults in my own family who have a huge sensitivity to light. So they don't prefer things to be lit too bright, it actually hurts their eyes. And I worked with some clients that were in a very well-lit facility with natural daylight, and they had to wear sunglasses most of the day. So when you say lighting, I'm thinking maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, lamps and overhead lights on everywhere. Maybe it's that you, you strategically put lights to light pathways. Maybe those lights, um, little night lights in the plugs along the pathway, but focusing on, again, illuminating where they need to be focused on when they're walking, when they're cooking, but not necessarily just make it like this very, very bright space. Cause I love bright. I love sunlight. I love lamp light. But when some of my loved ones come over, if I go over to their house, I'm turning on the lamps, they're turning off the lamps. So not everybody <laughs> prefers light. That's true. That's a very, very good point. And I do like the idea of the night lights and <clears throat> I'm thinking a lot of stairwells. If there's a second story and you have to go up, that's all you need because you can't put a lamp in a stairwell for most of the most homes. So yes, I love that lighting. And my mother was a natural light lady. And, but then at night she did have lamps on and I, I, I'm, I'm all about the lamps. I'd be happy to close the blinds and go with the lamps, but anyhow, I digress, but it is, um, that that's part of safety falls. And so you're clearing your walkways, you're lighting, you're checking with the rugs and wearing safety slippers or shoes. You've got your cords pulled away. And then finally in this group, I think it's the grab bars in the bathroom. That's huge. I think everybody thinks I'm going to put the grab bars in and then my house is safe. I personally feel, and you may feel differently, Melissa, that a grab bar does not need to be the suction cups. It needs to be installed and it needs to be installed properly by a contractor because if you are relying on that and you're wet and you're slippery and you're moving to get out of the tub and that comes off the wall, you've just done what you were trying to avoid. I agree with that. I agree that that's one area where you want to make sure that you're focused on safety um, above, you know, frugal (laughs) safety above, you know, DIY. And it's, you know, there are a lot of people that are amazing DIY and are capable of doing that. But if you are hesitant that you're getting it right, don't risk it. Don't risk that fall. When you are in, you're soaking wet and vulnerably naked and you fall then, that's just a disaster waiting to happen. So make sure you put those safety grab bars in, in those, um, the bathroom areas with a professional, not only that, but the, some professionals who install these actually understand where the best place to grab is. And so you might think, oh, here's a great place to grab, but 
if you, and there's some occupational therapists out there, if you work with one with home health, they can maybe help you with placement in the bathroom, but around the toilet, around the bathtub, you might be surprised where they recommend you put those grab bars. It might not have been where you thought, oh, well, it should go right there. You might have thought, oh, it should be nice and visually appealing, but that might not be naturally where the best place to grab is. So get professional help in that area. It's definitely my recommendation too. And I agree with that 100%. I was actually, that was going to be my next point. I stole uh, it from you. I, you Sorry, did. Robin. You did, but they, they're knowledgeable in that and that's what they do. And so it is much more helpful for them to um, be the ones installing it. And also, I know a lot of times if um, older folks live in an older home and they want to remodel the bathroom, and I, I know a lot turn their bathtubs into then large showers. So also think about those little lips at the base of the shower that is to keep the water in. But professionals can also help you if you mention what your desire is, that you don't have to have that lip and it might be ready to roll a wheelchair in or a shower chair. So professionals often can guide you with those safety issues in the bathroom. It's amazing what technology and advancements um, and design are out there today to accommodate that and to make it look nice. It doesn't have to look like, you know, you're in a hospital. Right, right. It just looks like the rest of the landscape of the room. Yeah. I want to piggyback a little bit on the occupational therapist. You might be thinking, well, how do I get an occupational therapist to advise me on where to put stuff in, in the house and accommodation? So many people have experiences with home health. So when you do, like if you're coming home from a rehab setting or and you have home health in place, make sure a, a really good occupational therapist coming in will, will kind of advise you and offer their help in that area. But if you have someone like that in place now, say, I want an assessment of the home. I want a safety assessment. I want to be there with my mom or dad in order to help know where we need to, you know, fix things up. Um, I would definitely take advantage of that. If you don't have home health coming in right now, you can always, you can always hire professional help through like caregiving companies, not non-medical, but probably care management companies and the ALCA um, aging life care association can help you in that regard. What do you, what other recommendations would you have Robin as to hooking up with a good occupational therapist? Well, I think you hit it. And I think a lot of people do turn down an occupational therapist thinking I don't need them. And really a good home health company, medical home health company will have somebody come out immediately when you go home and assess for that. But again, as you say, Melissa, if you're not getting it, ask for it because it's part of what your Medicare is paying for, part of what your insurance is paying for. So definitely have a professional come and check it out. Robin, let me ask you, in your experience working with families and doctors, if a family had had a recent fall and they were really worried about safety in the home, do you think a doctor would recommend home health for a safety assessment and a, 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 like to help them get away around and strategize in the home setting? That's a good question. I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's only because of Medicare guidelines. I don't know that they would do that just for Medicare guidelines, but I do think, as you said, a, a care manager, that's somebody you could hire to come out and do that. And, and, and then you're building a relationship with a local care manager as well. Perfect. So let's move on. 
let's talk about the fire, the fire risk. I think we all think about that as well. Number one, Melissa, would be? Smoke detectors. There you go. Working smoke detectors. (laughs) (laughs) I saw something the other day that said, I wish the smoke detector had a button that said, shut up, I'm just cooking. But, you know, what is it recommended as the time changes every year, twice a year to check your smoke detectors and your carbon monoxide detectors? And I I will tell you that in my last home, we were leaving actually for vacation the next day and our carbon monoxide detector went off. And it was scary, but we would have left our house and it probably would have exploded while we were gone. Oh, wow. So very, very scary and very important to do and very simple to do. We've talked about, I I have talked about it either in a blog or in one of our conversations about heating devices. And I'm I'm immediately going to heating pads and heated blankets because the elderly do seem to have thinner blood and they get cold quickly. So that's a quick fix, but make sure that you're following manufacturer's instructions and that everything, have, have it checked out, that it's not faulty. Again, don't sit on them like my mother did for hours and hours on end. Mm-hmm. Giving so, yourself probably a burn, right? Well, it, it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so the, those, those type things. And even, you know, the almighty heaters and that everybody sits up be mindful of where those are sitting because a lot of times you're on a couch or a chair that may or may not have um, some sort of cover on it and then it gets too close and it catches on fire or you get up and you slip and you fall and you knock it over and then then we're we're into fire and things like that so those are things to check out. Absolutely. And again, with advancement in technology and stuff, there are heaters that if they knock over, they turn off. But we all know how frugal our loved ones are who are older. They could be hanging on to 50-year-old heaters. So this would be a time when, yes, it might still work, but it might be worth the investment to lovingly say goodbye to something older to get something safer and something newer. And this, this may not be completely along the same lines of safety, but it popped into my, my mind with the fire ha- hazards and risks. For the, any loved ones who smoke, please don't smoke with yes. your oxygen on. <laughs> or in bed. Don't smoke in yes, bed. Yes, or smoke in bed. <laughs> These are very dangerous risks. So, so if you have somebody um, who's a smoker and with oxygen, please just make sure they're very aware at how dangerous that is. Well, I think, Melissa, we had a member of our support group talk about that. I think it was her mother had dementia and she was a smoker and there was oxygen in the house, but she went right out on the the porch and didn't, if I'm not mistaken, didn't she have her oxygen with her? Do you remember that story? Yeah. But anyhow, it was interesting. So yes, be very mindful of that. Oxygen, Um, uh, pure oxygen is flammable. (laughs) Very, very, very dangerous. Very. That's why you see those signs all over the hospital and everywhere. Right. So all right. The, what's next? Overloading cords, which I think this is funny. Just had a family tell me that, I guess, mom came to stay with them. They're in, in between a move. So mom and dad were there. And he said he walked down to the room and his mother had taken her hair dryer and plugged it into an extension cord that plugged into an extension cord that plugged into the wall. 
Mm. And he said he nearly had a heart attack when he walked over and saw what she was doing. So overloading those cords. And I do think we all have our favorite spots and it may not have enough outlets. So be careful of that. It's one plug per outlet. You know, you don't overload them up. I noticed in my mom's house because it was older and I had plugged in my hairdryer. Now, I couldn't use the hairdryer and the air conditioner at the same time. So you had to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Were you going to be comfortable or were you going to be beautiful? But I did notice that when I would use my hairdryer, there would be a black mark around the um, outlet. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. So I mentioned that. So that's also things, homes with older homes, you need to have the wiring checked, check the fuses, make sure that the right size fuse is in there. And Amen to that. I was going to say that, and that may be very surprising for people. That's another place to, to spend the money with a really good electrician, because you might be surprised and think, oh, I just need to add another outlet or so-and-so can do that, that I know, you know, they can do the easy electrical work. That's not true. If you need a new fuse, if, if you're trying to plug something in that has a huge pull on the system and I'm not an electrician, so I may not be saying the right terminology, (laughs) but you don't know what you don't know. And this is an area, stay smart and seek professional help. Right. Absolutely. And the fire department will come out and do a check on cords and things like that. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, Cooking the stove. So be careful about the type of clothes that you wear, that you're not wearing loose clothes. And, and, you know, a lot of this to us is common sense, but that may not trickle down because they've been doing it for so long. My mom always had a gas stove, never had an issue. She moves into the facility. She has an electric stove and has burnt up two towels and a hot pad. Now, I don't know how, but as you've all heard about Luria and you know about Luria, only Luria could set it on fire with an electric stove. Well, let me ask you, was it a glass top stove? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it was. My guess, this is my guess. I bet she was used to associating fire with the gas stove. So it was obvious that it was dangerous, but the glass stove, you know, it's turning red, but it's just glass. You may not, if you're having cognitive issues, you may not realize that that's on and dangerous. Right. You're right. I don't know. That's just my thought. I just remember getting the phone call and then the picture of these beautiful new towels we just purchased all burn up. (laughs) You know what's funny is right before you said that story, I was going to say, well, Robin, do you think it would be a good idea if somebody has gas to switch it out for electric? Would that be safer? (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. And you can, if you do have someone with dementia and you're down the road with the dementia diagnosis, unplug the stove. And that way you're not worried about it being left on or anything happening. And they're not aware. They just think it's, it's broken. And that's all you have to say is the stove is broken. So just, just be careful with that. And finally, in that group talking about ventilation and um, just being careful, making sure the fans and things work, the windows can be opened if we do have the smoke inside and things like that. So let's move on to medicines. Oh, yes, medicines. You want to talk about that, Melissa? Sure. Yeah, so there are so many ways that medicines can get dangerous. One, um, you have multiple people in the home. If there's any 
kind of cognition issue than taking the right medications, taking them in the right doses, not taking older medications, keeping track of your medication. So, you know, we all kind of hang on to medications or we forget they're in our medicine cabinet. And if you are trying to take daily pills and you're pulling down a big old basket of medications and trying to keep track of that, that can get overwhelming and it's it's a medication error waiting to happen. So some great ways if you are on multiple medications or there are multiple people in the home are to do to organize your medication. So you can do it simply. You can have like a pill box, you know, reminder where if you feel up to it, you put put all the pills in for a whole week according to when you need to take it. And you can have yours. And if you're married, you can have your spouses and you have them separated. And that way you don't have to, you know, in the morning, noon, and night, keep remembering you sit down very intentionally, do the pill boxes. If you feel that you need to go to another level of assistance, um, you can get your pharmacy to fill little pill packs for you so that it's easier to manage your medication. You just pull off the little envelope with the medicine in it and you take what you need when you need it. The problem with that type of medication management is if you happen to be on medications that you have to, like if you are on um, a heart medication and you take it according to your blood pressure, well, then you're, that's going to be hard to manage in a pill pack. If you're taking, like if you're on like a diabetic medication and you're, you're checking your blood levels or if your medication, sorry, (laughs) change frequently throughout the month. And those pill packs are going to be more difficult and may not be the best fit. You can do pill dispensers and you can fill a med machine and have them dispense when they need to with the reminder. Those pill dispensers are really good if there are maybe some cognitive issues going on and someone else is filling the med machine for you. A loved one can come in and fill the med machine. It's secure. You can't necessarily get into it easily. And then the person taking the medication only has to be reminded by the machine. And if they're not taking the medication, the machine will then call someone and alert them that the medication was not taken. Again, those are usually best when um, like a caregiver or a professional is coming and managing the pill dispenser. So those are three options One, get rid of old medications, take them down to anywhere that can take old medications, get rid of them so you're not using them, keep a list of your medications, talk to a pharmacist if you need to for interactions with medications. What am I missing, Robin? Is there anything that I need to forget about? No, also, I I don't think you mentioned that care managers have nurses that can come out and do that. And that's, again, a relationship with a care manager that can come out however you decide, monthly, weekly, and fill those medicines as well. And that that also helps have extra eyes on your parent or your loved one during that time. And I will say that when we say a care manager, um, we're speaking of like a company like Lifelinks. We've had Jody Jackson on this show before it's different than your non-medical caregiving companies. Those companies, you know, your sitter companies that come in, by law, it's illegal for them to do any kind of medication management. They can do prompting. They can remind you to take your pills, but they can't dispense the pills. So you would need to look for a care management company and assistance 
that have like registered nurses to be able to do that for you. Right. That's a great reminder. Great. So because we've been so serious today, I have to slide in with a Loria story. Yes, we can't go without a Loria story. (laughs) So my mom had a system and I've heard so many people say, I've got a system. And I think maybe Melissa, you talked about your dad having a system at one point. I could be wrong, but she had a system and she knew her system. And if you mess with her system, it was all over. Well, occasionally she might drop a pill or different things. So I guess one day she dropped all the pills. Oh, no. And she just shoved them in a drawer. And well, at least she didn't shove them in her mouth. Well, that's a good point. And so then we go back and to your point of older medications and everything, there's lots of medications in there that are outdated. Oh. They've changed you know, the whole kind the whole deal. So was uh, there a whole bunch of old nuts in the drawer just that oh, one yeah. time? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my so goodness. that was one of the reasons why I originally called in a care management company just to check on her medicines. So the nurse came and, and set it up for her and everything. And then all these old medicines are in the second drawer. So the nurse says, we need to get rid of these medicines. And my mom says, that's fine. I'll do it. Well, in her mind, the way she got rid of medicines is she would boil them until they all became <laughs> liquid. And then she'd let it dry out. And then she'd go drop it in the neighbor's yard. <laughs> So she went on and, and um, when the care manager came back, the care manager asked her, did you take care of the medicines? And she went through and told her this whole elaborate situation of how she took care of it and things like that. And when I arrived, all the medicines were still in the drawer. She could be very convincing, but that's how Lorraine. So that was just a tale. I was going to say, was there like, was there like dead animals all around the spot (laughs) where they had been licking that that medichemical bomb in the backyard? But I think in the past when we were all, you know, we used to be told that we could dump them in the toilets and things. And I think that's where she was pulling that story from. But yeah, so the medicines were there and it was very dangerous because she, Part of that was medication management and she wasn't getting what she needed or she was taking things that she used to take and she had been discontinued or doubling up. So it is very dangerous and for safety issues, medicine really needs to be in place. The last thing I want to talk about, which we really sort of talked about already, was improper lighting. The only thing that I would add to, we we talked about the stairs and the nightlights, is that their bedside They need to be able to reach a light, a lamp, and I would even think those touch lamps that you can reach out and just kind of tap on it and the light comes on. Something they can reach. I know in my bedroom, my lamp is very high, so I almost have to sit up to turn it on beside my bed. So that's just one other thing to think about that if they do have to get up in the middle of the night, that light is there and they can turn it on. Yeah. And again, ask a little electrician, you know, there's some amazing lighting options that are out there that an electrician can kind of put in and they look really nice. I mean, as you're going up and down stairs, if you can just have one switch and all of a sudden your pathway is illuminated. Motion detectors. um, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's, that's brilliant. I was, you know, didn't even think motion detectors. And then like your, the way is like lit up for you, like little fairies showing you the way. (laughs) So there's a lot of great things out there. 
there's a lot of DIY and just being kind of common sense that you can make safe uh, on your own and then, you know, find ways to spend the money in the smart ways and in the smart places. And that's going to keep you safer in the long run. And I think this is a great topic, Robin. Thanks for bringing it to us today. Absolutely. I think it's something that everybody can connect to and do. And if you have any questions, you just give us a shout. Okay. And I think we're going to continue with the safety topic um, as we proceed on in the month of July. So if anybody has any questions they'd like us to tackle, just jump on over to our Facebook page and we will kind of see you there and, and jump right into this. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.